us in the tough times. Be with us in the joyful times. Thank you for your presence always. In Jesus' name.
keep, keep playing that. I'm editing my message. Wow. Is that just me or is that like way to get I'm afraid to like talk. Um, the, the need to edit the message came to me when I was back there, but all my paper was up here, so. of the flesh 
are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And it comes back, I mean, I've, I've heard countless uh, analogies to the, the flesh and the spirit, the spirit and the flesh. The one most common, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's two dogs, and they're in you and they're in a fight. There's the, the, the dog of the flesh and the dog of the spirit. And who's going to win? <laughs> the one you feed. If you feed the flesh, the flesh will win. If you feed the spirit, the spirit will win. And I got to say, folks, we need the tough talk of God right now because we are in a place where all too often, especially in this area of self-control, we are feeding the wrong dog. Just yesterday, I don't know if you, if you follow the news on weekends. I don't know if you follow the news at all. Um, there was a concert, kind of a concert festival in Houston. And uh, early in the day, you know, folks were really wanting to get into the concert. And, and the press of the crowd became so great, they just sort of stormed through the gates to get into the festival grounds. Numerous people were hurt. And all that stems from, you know, there's, there's people way back here who are going to the concert. They have tickets. Their place to be inside has been assured. But I wouldn't be in now. And so the people back here insist on being up there despite the fact that there are several hundred people between there and there. And so these people start pushing these people and these people start pushing these people and these people up front are like a fence. There's nowhere for them to go. So hundreds of people pushing here and the fence comes down and people get hurt, people get stomped on and you're like, wow, that's stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just, that's the opening act for stupid. <laughs> you see, later in the day, there's a big musical act on stage. Uh, rapper by the name of Travis Scott. He's up here. He is up here on stage. He's up on stage. And this is a festival, so, you know, it's not like there's seats. It's just a mass of people. You know, it's one of those things where he could, like, do the stage dive thing and the crowd carries him around. It's cool and it's awesome. And every cool concert video from the 80s, right? And again, people back there wanted to be up here. And so they pushed and they shoved and they powered their way forward. Stumbling over the people between there and here who had fallen to the ground. And so they're stepping on them. And the crowd just continues to push until people are getting just jammed up against the stage. The opening act was stupid. The main act was tragic because eight people died. Because some people could not control themselves. <laughs> 
And that's an extreme example. But I just, over the, the last many weeks, I've seen so many videos. I've seen videos from, okay, right now, right here, up front, we're going to touch a little, pull a little clear. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You have your positions. Great, cool, whatever they are. That's not what I'm talking about. I've seen videos of school board meetings. School boards. Remember when school board was like boring? I can remember like 30 years ago being in the education program at UAA and there was one education class I took and they're like, oh, and one of the assignments is you have to go to a school board meeting. And it's like, <laughs> not that. I don't want to go sit and listen to bureaucrats pontificate for like three hours. Well, when I was a student, I had to do it, so now you have to do it because I had to do it. And it's the only revenge I can get. School board meetings were boring. It was, it was people who were voted to run the schools, who look out for children, to do what they thought was best for the kids. Not something I would do. But God bless them for being good. But now people, and who have nothing really to gain by doing this, they're just looking out for the greater benefit of the community at large. Now they face people who come into these meetings and threaten them with death. Death? I mean, okay, difference in opinion, but death? And, and, Saw this video like within the last two weeks. Guy going into Costco. And you can tell it's Costco. Because universally, Costco's have a layout. And no matter what, a little bit of background, you go, that's a Costco. The guy goes into a Costco. Full grown adult male human being from American culture goes into Costco. He's not wearing a mask. Costco's are doing that. Wear a mask, please. Again, don't care. You have your position, great, awesome. But you know, you go to Costco, they're going to ask you to wear a mask. Because we've been doing it for like 13 years, or three years, uh, 19 months. I don't know. However long, you can wear a mask when you go to Costco. This guy acts like he has never heard such a thing before. And he is so offended by the idea that he has to wear a mask that he, full-grown adult male, throws himself on the floor at Costco. Just me. Maybe it's a generational thing. I can remember a time in my life, my own personal life, where had I had a fit and thrown myself on the floor at a store, there was a beating coming. And it was not late until we got home. It would not happen in the parking lot. It was... Whack! And then we progressed. We became uh, more cultured, more nuanced. We took the children out to the parking lot. Then we developed more, and it was like, when you get home, and you know, that gritted, really quiet, like Clint Eastwood, like moms especially, 
Clint Eastwood, like, method act moms all over the place. We at home? But we know this is not behavior you accept from children. And yet this grown man has thrown himself on the ground. You have a temper tantrum because we have lost the ability to exercise self-control. And see, it's not even that anymore. It's not that we have stopped exercising self-control. It is now that we have, we have made a lack of self-control a virtue. We justify it. Well, you know, and it's not that I don't have self-control. It's that I'm speaking the truth. It's not that, not that I lack self-control. It's that I'm, I'm being true to who I am. It's not that I lack self-control. It's that I'm standing up to XYZ for ABC, and I'm speaking truth to power, and I don't know. If what you're doing comes off as jerk-like, that would seem to indicate a lack of self-control. And regardless of what it is you're trying to express, I can't, I can't hear the message because the messenger is being Now, self-control. God says, and, and let me let me be straight up right now. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you are off the hook. <laughs> if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you go out into your world and conduct yourself however you see fit, however you were raised to do, and in whatever way you can or cannot sleep with when you lay your head down at night. That is the only responsibility you have. You, Christ Father, you do not get to make such distinctions. You see, as a follower of Christ, you are held to a standard, and it is not the world's standard, it is His standard. And His standard says, in everything you say, in everything you do, every act, every word, every behavior, every attitude, People should see me and not you. And when in any given situation you fail to exercise self-control and the people you're engaged with see you and not Jesus, you have been, you have been violated that relationship you claim to have with him. Self-control. See, the love, the joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness means nothing if it's all embraced in a moment by a lack of our ability to reflect Him and not ourselves. Okay, gotta check the music. Alright, we went there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. And I know that's not going to show me the whole. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You, Christ's follower, will be tempted in your life. 
There will be temptations of the flesh that will come to you and, and push you, prompt you to act in a way that is counter to the life of Jesus Christ. God says right away, I'm going to tell you, it's going to happen. But, 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 but don't worry, don't worry. Because when those moments come, I will provide a way out. I will provide an avenue of escape. And, you know, for a lot of years, I always sort of viewed that as, okay, well, when that moment comes, and I'm tempted to do that which I should not do, like, I, I don't know, like a giant fire door is going to appear emblazoned with the word exit, and I will be able to escape from it. And so in situations where that didn't happen, there was no avenue from escape, so... What am I supposed to do? It didn't occur to me then, as it does now, that the avenue of escape that God provides is the self-control he seeks to grow in us. And again, that self-control only grows in us as we relate to him, as we engage in life with him, as we become more like him and less than ourselves. That self-control grows. And the more self-control we have, the more we're able to exercise that self-control. Not only will that escape from temptation be more obvious, but there will be less occasions where we find ourselves tempted and in need of escape. Because we are growing to be like him. So you need self-control to avoid that temptation that's going to come to you. And it will come to you. Every day there are some powerful, some not so powerful, some you didn't see coming, some you sort of encouraged, and this will be with you until the last day of your life. So temptation. To escape from temptation, you need self-control. Proverbs 29.11. Temptation, 
Avoid those. It's up to I get it. Emotions. All right, it can be overwhelming. Self-control, I get it. Sometimes, sometimes we need the self-control. And, and in too many occasions, we rely on ourselves. We rely on willpower. We rely on grit. Well, I'm just going to work my teeth. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to avoid that temptation because I have willpower. Do you, though? Really? You know? I'm going to eat a slice, I ate a whole cake. <laughs> Remember back in the day when, like, cigarettes were a thing? I, I have to say, editorial comment, I sort of wish cigarettes would just come back. Because, because I look at cigarette smoking and I go, that's just dumb. I look at vaping and I'm just like, Sorcery, it means drug addicts. I'm like, 
are to be offset, are to be fought against through self-control. It is self-control that keeps us from being overwhelmed by the fruits of the flesh. But now, let's go through this list. The words of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. See, sex is not in and of itself inherently bad. It only becomes bad when we fail to exercise Christ-like self-control and treat it as God intends for it to be treated. Impurity, that's just vague in general. Sensuality, it's like a movie-rating thing or something. Idolatry, you know, idolatry, you, you probably don't have like a, well, some of you have an Odin in your house, but you probably don't have like a, or maybe like a little Buddha statue. But in this day and age, idolatry, think money. Think greed. Sorcery, we covered that one. Enmity, strife, jealousy. Fits of anger. Anger, in and of itself, not bad. Righteous anger is a good thing. Righteous anger can be a tool. It can be the thing that prompts us to take action when action is needed. But it's when we lose self-control that fits of anger become sinful. Rivalries. Rivalries are not bad. There are going to be occasions where you and another individual want the same thing. Not like the same thing, but like the same thing, and the only one that you is going to get it. And you therefore are rivals. And rivalries are not inherently bad. It is only in a lack of self-control. One of the coolest things I ever saw, okay, maybe cool is not right, but I was like 12, and I was playing soccer. And, um, yeah, soccer. Halftime, the oranges, and Game got over me. And the only reason I remember this game now at 50 is because two parents got into it at the end of the game. And they were full on throwing punches. And it was two moms. And I was like, we were just like, the, even, I think the, kid, the two kids whose moms they were might have been like standing together and we're just watching it. We're like, this is, this is awesome. Why doesn't this happen at every soccer game? <laughs> I think popular soccer is in the world. I think in this nation, if you had moms, you know, at halftime, throwing punches, I think it would be much bigger in this country. But again, rivalry is not bad. How we deal with them, yes. Dissensions. Divisions. I don't need to tell you about divisions. We know what division is. We know what it means. We know what it looks like. We are at perhaps the most divided this country has been in well over a hundred years. The thing that makes the divisions we experience now so frightening is that there is a complete and utter lack of self-control in dealing with them. You will go through your life and there will be people with whom you do not agree. 
But essentially, Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I might have followed your Christ, but I have met too many of his followers. Whatever you claim about Jesus Christ, it is your ability to exercise control, to reflect that light to the world around you, or it is your lack of self-control that causes you to look like the world around you that will tell whether that gospel in your life is truth or a lie. Paul said in Romans, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Even Paul. Paul, the greatest proponent of the kingdom of God since Jesus Christ. Even he said, you know what? I get it wrong all the time. I know what I want to do, and I don't do it. I know what I don't want to do, and I do it all the time. And it's this very same guy who said, you know, amongst all this other good stuff, among all the warm and fuzzy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, Faithfulness. There must be self-control. Because without self-control, there can be nothing else. If you cannot exercise self-control, you will not be able to exercise love when the moment calls for it. You will not be able to exercise the peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. If you and by extension, Jesus Christ, do not have complete control over the being that lives in here. When the moment comes that you need to be the rest of that, there's a good chance you will fail. And the world will watch you fail. And the enemy will watch you fail. And they will all
And we would see the impact of that change in our lives, helping us to be more like Jesus Christ and less like ourselves. I pray, Father, that for the Christ follower, for each and every one of us who has put our hope in you, that we would understand faith in Jesus Christ is not a is not a, a golden parachute, it's not fire insurance, it's a relationship. And in the course of that relationship, there's there's things you want us to do. There's things you want us to accomplish. There's a world you want us to impact, and we can only do that by a combination of our control of ourselves and your control of us that allow us to go forth and reflect your light into a dark world. Now, may the Lord...